Ag Spray Equipment Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Danley, and welcome in to Priming the Pump from Ag Spray Equipment. Episode 10 is upon us. I won't spend a whole lot of time uh, messing around before we get into today's interview. For anybody that's looking for uh, maybe some vacation tips for the summer, uh, I kind of wanted to bring on a guest here today to talk about that. We are very outdoorsy folks on uh, this podcast, the listeners of this uh, typically are working in agriculture, farm community, something ag-related. We like to do things outside, and a person from my past, once again, happens to uh, be the visitor services manager at uh, Custer State Park. And really, for anybody that has uh, studied the Black Hills or looks at doing a vacation in the Black Hills, uh, this is something that maybe is, uh, is, is, is overlooked uh, in that area, when you, you think of uh, the Black Hills and the different places to go. And anybody that is looking at doing a vacation this summer and wanting to get outside, uh, I think they should really look at Custer State Park. And Kobe will be on with us here momentarily to talk more about that. Remember to like and subscribe uh, to this podcast. Tell your friends about it. Spread the word. The podcast is growing, and uh, we thank each and every one of you for listening in uh, every week. Uh, when or every other week, I should say, as we release this podcast. We've gotten 10 episodes in, and uh, yeah, real nice uh, growing fan base out there. So thank you, everybody, for uh, listening in to the Priming the Pump podcast. We welcome into the program Kobe Stalder, Visitor Services Program Manager at Custer State Park in South Dakota. Now, if anybody has ever traveled, gone to do some vacation time, maybe in the Black Hills, Black Hills area. There's no doubt that you've heard about Custer State Park, but we wanted to take this opportunity today as people get set for summer vacations and to do some planning uh, to talk with Kobe about the park. Kobe, thank you for uh, joining us here on the podcast. Oh yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, longtime listener, so this is quite the opportunity for me to uh, be able to get on and, and talk with you, Jason. Well, uh, you're only a longtime listener because you've you've known me for several years and, and listened <laughs> to the several dumb things that I have uh, put out on the internet. So I appreciate your support in this podcast uh, and other podcasts through the years. It's it's been great. So. Now, Kobe, uh, you're the Visitor Services Program Manager, and I always try to, like, link people in as to why we're talking to, to this person. And obviously, uh, I, I feel like in the world of Ag Spray Equipment and the Priming the Pump podcast, we have a lot of uh, listeners that are outdoorsy, uh, that, that work in agriculture, so we want to talk about Custer State Park. But when as I, I get into that, I... I talk about you and why you're on the podcast. We have a history that goes back into a world of, of sports and college athletics, which is something you pursued as a career for several years before getting into Custer State Park uh, and having the position that you do there. Talk a little bit about what that transition was like to go from the world of college athletics and athletic communications to now visitor services program manager at Custer State Park, because it's, it's a bit of a jump. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's kind of a, a whole different area of, of, of expertise. And so, yeah, you're, you pretty much took a, a 180 spin on my career there from when I, uh, did work in college athletics and then moved into uh, kind of like natural resources, uh, outdoor recreation, um, kind of a career path. So yeah, it's, it's a lot different, but, uh, you know, it's also very enjoyable. I mean, you know, um, just my, I guess my personal experience, you know, it's what I do for, 
South Dakota State Parks and Custer State Parks. Uh, you know, I'm the visitor services program manager, so it's my job to uh, market to to visitors to get them to come to uh, Custer State Park. Um, the, you know, I, I handle our social media, our communications efforts. So in that regards, it's very similar to what I did in college athletics as I was, uh, you know, I was in communications and, and, uh, and did video work and, and, you know, ran social media. So in that aspect, uh, a lot of similarities. So you want people to come visit your state park. You want people to come to your, your college athletics games. Uh, you know, you want to help them, uh, support the teams. You want them to come enjoy the area. So in that, in those regards, when you look at it like that, uh, very similar. Um, but yeah, a completely different realm. I mean, it's to be able to uh, work, you know, where I do and and do what I do on a day to day basis. You know, I'm very fortunate to do that, um, just because it's it's beautiful. I mean, I get to go outside every day, and you know, I get to look at wildlife. I get to look at the awesome scenery that Custer State Park has. Um, you know, personally, uh, just you know, have have my family. So my wife and I have three kids and, and eventually, you know, college athletics, uh, it's fun, but it's a lot of dedication to a lot of hours. And so I was missing a lot on my family side. And so, you know, that ultimately that was why I decided to make that career shift and, and go into something, you know, that I wasn't at work, you know, 14 to 15 hours a day, six to seven days a week. Um, you know, with only a quick break in the summertime, you know, here's a lot more steady of a job. Uh, you know, I'm home in the evenings every single day, you know, I'm never hardly away on weekends. You know, there's some weekends where, yeah, we got to go in and we got to do work, but you know, it's not to the extent that it was in college athletics. Well, a little bit of a homecoming for you too, because you are from that general area out there too, aren't you? Yeah, I uh, I grew up in Custer, South Dakota. So, yeah, Custer State Park, you know, seven miles away uh, from the town. So, yeah, it's actually very nice to come back and, and be in the Black Hills area where I grew up. Still have a lot of family in this area. So that's nice to be around them. Um, yeah, and be closer to, to like my parents who still live in town. Um, so, yeah, it, it is very nice in, in that sense as well. Uh, we talk a little bit more about the park now. I mean, we, as, as our, our listeners kind of plan summer vacations uh, and we'll we'll delve more into each of the things that you're probably about ready to talk about. But what what would be the uh, the elevator pitch, the, uh, the the you know your marketing ploy? What what would you tell our listeners why they should spend maybe their summer vacation, a little time this summer with the friends, family, whatever, coming to Custer State Park? You know, in if my elevator pitch would be there's something to do for everybody in Custer State Park. Whether you like to look at scenery, look at wildlife, you like to go hiking, you like to go fishing, you like to go camping, you like to go boating, uh, any type of outdoor recreation that you are into, we offer at Custer State Park. So, you know, that's that's my elevator pitch. We're 71,000 acres. You know, that's about like 85 square miles. Um, and, and so we're huge. I mean, there's four lakes, there's four resorts. Uh, we have nine different campgrounds. We have over a hundred miles of hiking trails. There's close to 60 miles of scenic drives that you can do in Custer State Park. So, you know, there, whatever you want to do, there's endless opportunity to do it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my job. And, and, you know, we hear it a lot too in, in Custer State Park, you know, they, people show up here and they go, Oh, I didn't realize there was so much to do here. You know, I feel like, you know, we're kind of under the radar when it comes to, 
you know, when people think of, of parks, state parks, national parks, you know, you're thinking Yellowstone, you're thinking, you know, Yosemite, um, <laughs> you know, those huge national mm-hmm. parks, the Great Smoky Mountains. And so when, when people come here, they're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. I never realized uh, that you could do all this stuff here. And, and, you know, we've had people that have stopped at Custer State Park. They've gone out west. They've done the Yellowstone tour, the Grand Tetons, and they come back and they said, you know, we saw more wildlife in your park in two days. And then when we, we did that a week in Yellowstone. So, you know, when you get compliments like that, you kind of feel like you're doing a really good job um, as, as a state park. You know, for, you're providing those recreational opportunities. You're enhancing that visitor experience for them and making sure that when the people come, they have a great time. And then they go back to wherever they're from. They tell their friends, oh, my gosh, when you go to the Black Hills, you got to go to Custer State Park. It's so amazing. There's so much stuff to do. We saw all this wildlife. It was awesome. So, so yeah, I mean. That's kind of uh, my job uh, to, to tell people that story and, and get them excited about coming not only to Custer State Park, but the Black Hills. I mean, you know, we have uh, Wind Cave National Park just to our south. We have Mount Rushmore uh, National Memorial just to our north, a little bit further north. There's Badlands National Park to our west, just west of town. There's Jewel Cave National Monument. Um, you also have like the Minuteman Missile Silo National Monument that's just right by Badlands too. So you have all these national parks. And then you also have a hundred, uh, oh no, it's a million acres, over a million acres of national forest in the Black Hills as well uh, that's ran by the Forest Service. So, I mean, it, it's kind of like an outdoor recreation mecca in the Midwest. So it's, it's, you know, not only Custer State Park, but the Black Hills in general. There's just so much for people to do and, and, and come and see. I, I have to back up, tell a personal story a little bit, because you did mention Wind Cave National Park there. Uh, yes. And Wind Cave National Park, as a as a young boy, as a, a young Jason who is just, you know, knee-high to my mother, uh, that's where my parents found out their young child at that age uh, was claustrophobic and <laughs> did not enjoy Wind Cave National Park as a four- or five-year-old. Uh, now, today, my, my life now, I'm, I would be fine with it, but uh, my parents still tell that story to me of, oh, yeah, Wind Cave National Park, that was not a good experience for you. <laughs> Great, traumatized, 30 years later still. <laughs> yeah i can see that you know going down into a cave as a as a little kid that's probably pretty scary i mean there's definitely you know your imagination probably runs runs wild you start seeing things that you don't know and and then then maybe the space comes a little too tight and that elevator ride down is not so fun so absolutely you know i could we can definitely see that uh that (laughs) happening but uh but glad you have grown out of that now and you can enjoy cave tours. I, I think so. I haven't been back yet. So maybe I'll get there and I'll freak out again. I will have to find that out. I'll I'll give you a call if I do and then you're good at, you know, you've got three children, uh you comfort them, you make them feel good. Maybe you can do that to a 41-year-old man. Absolutely. I think we could <laughs> soothe you and uh, and calm you down in that situation for sure. All right. So, one of the coolest things, you know, cuz I I've, I've followed you on social media for several years and uh i I see the photos go up onto the the facebook page for custer state park one of the coolest things i think that you guys have there that you haven't really talked much about yet uh are are the buffalo the buffalo roundup uh, and everything that goes with that i mean some of the photos that that i've seen you post personally of of the buffalo uh on custer state park grounds just simply amazing i mean uh, can you talk a little bit about the history of uh getting the bison in to Custer State Park and how that's that's grown through the years because I was looking at the timeline for that a while back and you know it just seems like it started as a, a real small thing and, and grew and grew. 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, bison first came to Custer State Park before it was even a state park. It was a uh, state game preserve in 1914. So we had 36 head that arrived on the state park lands um, that were purchased from a rancher in Pierce, South Dakota. Um, And they traveled by train all the way to Hermosa. And then we had specially built wagons on vehicles like trucks on like wagons on the back of a truck um, that we got them off of the train and hauled them from Hermosa to Custer state park where they, they, uh, they came and that's about, Oh, you know, probably looking at 12 miles. Uh, could have been a little longer depending on where they, you know, in the old Buffalo pasture where they originally, um, put them out to graze. So, you know, you could have been like 15, 20 miles. And so you hauled these 36 bison on these trucks on the highway. I mean, that would have probably been a pretty sight to see back, back in the day. Mm-hmm. That would have been exciting. But, uh, yeah, from there, you know, um, they kind of just let them out into this like 80 acre pasture and then they grew and they grew and, and they just, you know, they ate so fast and then they decided, Oh, well, we might need a little more land than that. And so then they, you know, removed the, that 80 acre fence boundary and they kind of just let them out in the park to roam. And, and, you know, they grew and you had a couple hundred and they, and then, you know, you had a couple more hundred and then all of a sudden you're in the 1920s after we become official state park and you have this surplus of animals, meaning you have too many animals that, uh, that are on your range and you can only support so many over the winter time. And so they didn't know what to do with them. So they started to have uh, a roundup, a buffalo roundup. Uh, every year staff would round them up, push them into our um, buffalo crowd complex. You know, you would you give them overall health check and then you would take the extra ones that you had and you'd basically surplus them. And at that time in the 20s, you know, we had a meat processing uh, plant right here in Custer State Park um, and over the course of the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, uh, we were actually one of the biggest meat suppliers of buffalo in the United States. We service 38 different states in the United States at, at our, um, that we ship to from our meat processing plant um, in Custer State Park. And eventually, um, after that, you know, in the 50s and 60s, now you're getting into where we have a pretty consistent herd between, uh, you know, anywhere between 1,300 and 1,500 animals. And, and we found out that through live auction, um, people were actually looking at more interested in that breeding stock because early in the 20s and 30s, we tried auctioning off a couple of breeding stock, but people really weren't that interested in them. And the meat market was actually doing a lot better for us. Um, and, and because we had to, you know, people might be like, oh, geez, you're selling those animals, those beautiful animals for meat. But at the same time, we had to support ourselves. So we had to create enough revenue to be able to support all our operational costs at Custer State Park. Uh, we weren't at that time. We weren't sub, um, funded by the state or had any general funds or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So that's how we had to do that uh, to make our park operational. So um, but yeah, by then in 1966, we had our first Buffalo Roundup and auction. And we sold a hundred head of Buffalo and it kind of, that's where the story kicks off from the Buffalo roundup that you see those awesome images of every year. So every year uh, in September, the last Friday in September, we actually do a Buffalo roundup. That's where we take uh, our staff, you know, horseback riders um, and we round up the entire herd and we push them through uh, our Southern end of our Prairie into our corral system. And then from there, you know, we work the herd. Uh, they're given any antibiotics. Uh, you know, they're given an overall health check by our veterinarian. 
their pregnancy tested. Um, you know, the bulls, uh, the two-year-old breeding bulls, uh, you know, their, their fertility tested. And then at that time, you know, we take a look at all of them, um, including our calves and we kind of decide which ones we're going to sell and which ones we're going to keep in our herd for the winter because the rangelands that we have in Custer State Park, we're only able to her, uh, keep a herd of a little over a thousand animals in the winter, uh, just to make sure we have enough range for not only the buffalo, but elk, the pronghorn, you know, the deer, every everything that calls Custer State Park home, not just our, our bison herd. Um, and so then from there, we have an auction uh, every November, and we sell anywhere from 200 to 400 animals. Uh, anybody can bid on that. It's actually an internet auction, and you know, so Jason, if you were interested in and buying a buffalo, you just get on auction day and, and you know, depending on what type of buffalo you want, we have a, a whole wide variety of range of age classes um, just to put out a very good auction, you know, for, for not only people interested in buying buffalo, but also those private herds, you know, if they want to supplement their herd or add some new genetics, whatever they're looking for. Uh, so we try to provide a pretty good variety in our auction. But yeah, our herd's pretty iconic, you know. Uh, all through the 50s and 60s, uh, all the way up to today, uh, we have the still have the second largest public herd of North American bison in our, on our continent. So that's pretty cool. You know, only Yellowstone has more more bison as a public herd uh, than we do. So so we've had that you know going on, you know, almost 70 years of of having a pretty iconic buffalo herd. So so yeah, that's that's pretty much what we're well known for. At Custer State Park is uh, is our bison. You know, I was just trying to underplay it a little bit when we were talking. Uh, you know, I didn't want to didn't want to <laughs> oversell it or anything like that. I knew we'd probably get into it, but but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, they're beautiful animals. Uh, they're powerful animals. You know, you give them respect, and they give you respect in return. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're 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 amazing just to watch and, and do a buffalo do go out there and graze and. And, you know, just listening to them communicate and then you get into the late summer and then you get into rut season and then that's where you see the bulls fighting. I mean, it's just that whole circle of life in that herd is just amazing to watch season after season. I've been here, uh, you know, going on almost five years now. And and yeah, every day we you go out, you go out and you still see buffalo. I mean, it still amazes me. I haven't that off factor hasn't hasn't gone dim yet. Um, and I don't know if it will, it's just, just to see those animals just out doing, you know, what they would have done millions of years ago is just, it's, it's pretty neat. Yeah. And I will say this for you, uh, cause you, you have to be nice cause you represent the park. I don't. When, when you're at Custer state park, people, when you see a Buffalo stay in your car, <laughs> don't, don't get out and try to take a selfie with it. They're, they're large, wild animals. And things will end poorly for you. Now, what's the more appropriate way that you would say that, Kobe? Hey, you know, I, I, I'm along those same lines. Stay in your car. That's what we tell people. You know, the best place to view wildlife is in your vehicle. Um, you know, but if you are out, say you're out on a hiking trail um, and you come across some buffalo, you know, you just want to make sure that you are at least 100 yards away from that animal. Um, because, yes, like you said, they're giant. 
people don't realize how big a bison is until they get up actually like say you're driving on our wildlife loop road and it's right next to your car. And then I think people finally grasp that concept of like, Oh my goodness, this animal is huge. Yeah. I mean, the bulls can weigh up to 200 or 2000 pounds. Uh, you know, your average cow is still anywhere between 12 and 1300 pounds. I mean, they're, they're huge animals and they run 35 miles an hour and I don't know any human being that runs that fast. So even if you think you're out there and you're going to outrun it, you're not going to outrun it. And so, yeah, the best thing you can do is stay in your vehicle and enjoy the, the wildlife. Um, yeah, that's kind of like our more politically correct <laughs> answer, but, uh, yeah, I'm all with you. You know, the, the more people that stay in the car, the less incidents we have, the better. So, uh, it's never, it's never fun, uh, when we do have an incident because that falls under my realm and then I get to deal with the, the people who want to ask all the questions about it. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's more work on my plate. So if anybody, you know, listening and you just want to do me a solid, just, uh, just go ahead and stay in your vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great idea. Now, back to the auction and, and, and the Buffalo auction. You mentioned if I wanted to get one, you know, how I could do that, get it from the auction. What I need you to do, Kobe, in, in advance of me buying one is let me know which one going on auction that I can put a saddle on and reenact Guy on a Buffalo. <laughs> That's all I want to do. It's the only thing well, I want you know, if that's that was your case, I would I would think you'd probably need to get a calf, and then you could, you know, it might become a little more used to people, um, and then in years of work and time and dedication to that animal, I think then yeah, you might be able to get a saddle on it and and ride it around. But none of the other animals, yeah, would would be available for that. Uh, pretty wild still, you know, especially the older ones. Um, but yeah, that, that I'd say a calf would probably be your best bet if if you were wishing to live out that dream. There exactly two people that will get the guy in the buffalo reference and and if somebody else out there does please email me but i think it's you and i if if you're very lost in this conversation right now i just implore anybody out there to go on youtube and just type in guy on a buffalo and <laughs> you, you will get the reference it's quite fun. i was i was also gonna say the two people that got it are already on the podcast <laughs> talking so very true. Very true. I, you knew I was going to slip it in at some point because I believe it was you that introduced me to that YouTube video years ago. <laughs> I, I was. Yeah, that was me. But still hilarious watched, to this day. So. First time I watched yeah. it, I thought it was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And then I just kept watching it over and over again. It's addictive. Everybody uh, yeah. else, everybody's going to check it out out there. There you go. <laughs> All right, so getting back to some of the activities and the different things that you can do at Custer State Park if you're looking at doing a vacation there or something that I've, I've recently found out about, and I don't know, maybe I'm an idiot and I misread this. That's very possible, highly possible if anybody knows me. But uh, and, I'm, and I'm also not a, uh, a very well-versed hunter, I guess you could say. I know people that do it. I just haven't ever been one to really get in it. But I, I guess my mind was blown. Did I read correctly? There is hunting inside Custer State Park and special licenses that people can apply for, or or am I just am am I stupid? Is am I wrong? No, no. Uh, yeah, we do offer hunting opportunities. Absolutely, it's another uh, technique that we use in our conservation management tools. Um, so so absolutely, you know, there's deer season, um, there's elk season, uh, there's turkey season. And then uh, you also have uh, we offer two buffalo seasons as well, uh, a non-trophy buffalo, which would be a two-year-old bull, and then a trophy buffalo hunt, which would be a ten-year-old bull, uh, ten-year-old bull or older. Um, so yeah, we do we do offer 
a pretty wide variety of uh, hunting seasons in Custer State Park. There are special licenses. Um, you'd have to go to, on to South Dakota Game Fish and Parks and apply for them. Um, you know, the elk one is South Dakota resident only. Um, so if you are a South Dakota resident, you can go ahead and apply for that. But luckily for everyone that doesn't live in this state, we offer every year we do a hunt for habitat, which people can go on and purchase habitat tickets. And then we do a raffle. And one of the, one of the raffles is for out of state is elk, deer, um, I believe it's mule deer, white-tailed deer, and then a buffalo hunt. So basically, if you're an out-state resident, you can go on and buy those uh, habitat tickets. And then you, if you were lucky and you won the drawing, you could hunt anywhere in the state, and that includes Custer State Park. So, so yeah, that, that would be our one shot at non-residents being able to hunt elk in Custer State Park. But other than that, it's just South Dakota residents just because the population isn't big enough uh, to offer out-of-state tags yet. But you can still do deer, turkey, and you can also apply for the buffalo hunt. So, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, and then again, people say, oh, no, you're allowing people to come in and hunt the buffalo. That's so cruel. But, um, you know, it's just another opportunity uh, for visitors, different kinds of visitors to come in and experience Custer State Park. Obviously, there's a lot of hunters in the world. And, you know, through that, again, the park earns a source of revenue that we wouldn't get otherwise um, if we were to just leave those um, buffalo alone. And all those funds go right back into our resource department you know they go to go towards things like keeping our boundary fences up our division fences up repairing any of those needs uh, any corral complex you know upgrades or or fixes that we need it goes into weed spraying uh, uh goes into our forestry program so all those resources or all that funding that we get from those hunts you know it goes directly back into our operational budget which at the end of the day is, is very good for custer state park and and uh to, to be able to maintain, you know, the level of, of that people expect when they come and visit. So, so, uh, so before, you know, everyone, anyone gets too upset that we're, we're hunting them there, you know, there's a reason behind that and why we do it, uh, the way we do it. But, uh, and I think anybody that, that really has a problem with hunting, I, I always try to turn people on to, and I'm a fan of Steve Ranella. I think he is, you know, for the hunter, uh, he, he does some uh, really cool things, but I think when you just listen to him talking about hunt, hunting and using it as a conservation technique and why you do it, uh, it makes a whole lot of sense to people. And what you're talking about, you know, with, with the size of the buffalo herd, you only have so many acres that you can graze those animals on for months out of the year. And if you were allowed to allow that herd to, con- to grow uh, as it would in nature, um, it would eventually get overgrazed, and then you would have a whole bunch of problems with the remaining buffalo and the remaining herd that was there. So uh, it, it is a, a, a conservation technique, and uh, it is obviously you know something different that you're able to offer at Custer State Park for people that are interested in that sort of thing. So Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Let's talk. Uh, I try to keep these these podcasts around a certain time limit, so I don't have a whole lot of time left. But sure. I think a lot of people, when they think of state parks, they think, well, you know, I'm going to go. I'm going to take my tent. I got to take my camper. But you do have uh, resorts on the on Custer State Park. Talk mm-hmm. a little bit about the amenities at those resorts. And for people that maybe don't have a camper or don't want to, you know, uh, be outside in a tent at night, what, what they could potentially do to stay right there in the park as well. Absolutely. Yeah. We have four different resort complexes within Custer State Park. Uh, you know, we have Bluebell Lodge, Legion Lake Lodge, our, our state game lodge, and then Sylvan Lake Lodge. 
Um, each one of those has like a lodge complex, which would offer like hotel room amenities. Um, but even on the grounds within those complexes, there's cabins uh, that anybody can check out. You know, all those cabins are, are modern. They're, you know, they're not outdated. They don't have to go up the outhouse to to <laughs> use the bathroom. There's <laughs> there's running water. There's plumbing. You know, every every modern amenity you could want in a South Dakota State Park. So, I mean, that's that's pretty awesome there. Um, you know, you, you kind of think of those lodges as almost like, you know, like a resort. Uh, you know, you, they have fancy restaurants in them. You know, there's gift shops. There's general stores. So anybody that, you know, wants to come and maybe doesn't have a camper or maybe doesn't want a tent any, you know, tent camp anymore, um, definitely look into one of those. Uh, you can go to www.custerresorts.com, um, and that'll have a full preview of, of what each different resort offers and also where they're located um, within Custer State Park. And then um, on, our, on our state side, you know, we also have uh, camper cabins. Uh, you know, they're pretty pretty primitive. Uh, they can sleep up to five people, but, uh, they, you know, there's no bathrooms or anything in that. You know, there's just bunk beds in a, inside this cabin that you can bring all your own sheets um, and your pillows and anything else you want, and you can stay, and those are located within our, our campgrounds as well. Um, so on the, on our state park side, we offer, uh, that's, you know, kind of a, a basic version of what the resorts offer. So, yeah. So necessarily, if you want to stay at Custer state park and explore, you don't just have to show up with a tent over your shoulder and find a campground. Although I do assume, I guess I should ask this uh, during COVID last year, did you see a, a big influx of people coming out and camping and seeing the state park because of, uh, our inability to do things indoors and and if so is there a place where people can register campsites in advance or do you do that yeah. sort of thing yeah absolutely so yeah last year uh last year actually we had a record year um we saw 2.1 million visitors uh in wow. custer state park uh you know when we average about 1.8 to 1.9 so we saw about 200,000 more people than we do annually uh so yeah we had a record year during covid um just because like you said uh no better place to social distance than nature so you know all our campgrounds are you know all our camping spots in our campgrounds are further than six feet apart uh you know you have everything you need and the amenities of your camper you can get outside and go on our hiking trails you can stay in your vehicle and drive around and look at the wildlife so yeah i mean during covid when people really couldn't do anything uh South Dakota State Parks, Custer State Park, really the outdoors in general benefited from that because uh, because those were things that people could do. They could go outside. And so what we saw is a lot of people that maybe hadn't done those kind of activities in a long time get reengaged with maybe going out for a picnic or, go, you know, seeing people that haven't gone fishing in five years. Suddenly they're out fishing. And so, yeah, I mean, I think if COVID did anything, you know, it helps people realize that, you know, you don't have to be inside all the time. You know, you don't have to be on your phone. You don't have to be playing video games. You can go outside and enjoy nature again. Um, that's okay. And so I think a lot of people uh, really got reengaged with that. And, and I think you're going to see an, an increase in, in camping and hiking and, and picnicking and fishing. You're going to see an increase in that over the next coming years just because of, of what COVID did. And, and yes, Jason, to answer your question, you can go to www.campsd.com and you can reserve a campsite in one of our nine campgrounds online through Custer State Park. Or you can uh, also call uh, our hotline number, which is on our website at custerstatepark.com. Um, and, and somebody will take care of you over the phone as well. And I should mention 
that, you can make a reservation up to one year in advance at Custer State Park Campground. So uh, say you don't want to, you're busy this summer, but you definitely from this podcast, you want to go in 2022. Well, call call us in June uh, 2021 if you want to come in June of 2022 and you can make your campground reservation and have it booked and then forget about it. And, and you don't have to worry about trying to find a place to stay. You're already covered for when you're coming. So so that's kind of one of the neat, unique things about Custer State Park is that we do take reservations one year out. That is awesome. All right. So we've talked about a lot of different subjects and we've kind of gone over the places. Is there anything I have forgot to ask that you're like, come on, I want to talk about this. Ask this question. Ask this question. What, 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 what have I missed? What do you want to tell people as we wrap things up? Uh, I would, I would just say that, you know, if you've, if you've never heard of us, uh, look into us, you know, go on our website, check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I think you're going to like what you see in terms of, of the opportunities we offer, you know, the cool things you can go and do and see in Custer state park. Uh, again, you know, I, outside of kind of our Midwest region, uh, a lot of people come here and they say, I had no idea the state park, ex- park existed. It's so awesome. Uh, but we also have a lot of new people constantly moving into this Midwest area now. You know, I'm sure you guys have seen a boom up in Fargo. Um, you know, our Sioux Falls and our Rapid City areas are growing down here in South Dakota. And so, yeah, you always have these new people moving in the area. So if, if you're just arriving and you haven't heard of us, check us out. Uh, give us a look. And, and if you're interested, definitely make a plan to come visit because I guarantee you won't be disappointed. He is Kobe Stalder. Visitor Services Program Manager at Custer State Park. We thank Kobe for coming in to the podcast and joining us here today. Ten episodes in, we thank each and every one of you for making this uh, podcast uh, successful and, and bringing in uh, the people that uh, that it is each and every week. It's exciting uh, to get uh, new guests on here, talk about different things and and obviously, you know, a little bit of a change from talking about the world of agriculture to talking about, you know, maybe when you do get some time off this summer, uh, something that you could look at doing for a weekend or a couple of days. Uh, Custer State Park, I've, I've been through it. I haven't been through it in the last couple of years. I definitely, and listening to uh, Kobe and finding out more about the park, uh, do want to check it out. So 10 episodes in, we thank all of you for uh, checking out the Priming the Pump podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe. And as in life and in pumping, always remember to prime your pump. You never want to run dry, overheat, or cause damage when you don't have to stay efficient and work hard. So make sure your pump is primed. This has been Priming the Pump from Ag Spray Equipment.